Teasaw Pop, Season 3, Episode 7. Hello, welcome to Teasaw Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about community in the classroom is academic coordinator Helena Marilikan. Helena has been teaching English in various contexts, face-to-face and online for over 10 years. She's currently working for EF Teach Online, where she offers training and support to teachers who use the platform. Welcome to the show, Helena. Thank you, Laura. It's great to be here. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what community can look like in the classroom, how it supports the learning process, as well as how as we as teachers can set up and sustain collaborative learning environments. Today's episode centers on classroom management strategies and approaches and not the methodology of community language teaching, which could be saved for another time. Helena, you've taught in many different contexts from teaching languages face-to-face to groups of secondary school learners to teaching adult learners online. What does community in these different classroom environments look like? When I think of the word community, I think of two words, value and support. And I believe that community in the classroom is where each student is valued equally and they probably won't bring the same attributes um, to the classroom but what they do bring if there is a sense of community in the classroom that is enhanced by the teacher or the facilitator and I believe that if we have community in the classroom then it doesn't matter the context whatever is being taught in the classroom that student will feel valued and my next point is that they'll also feel supported so the other students around them won't feel jealous they they want to support their fellow classmates achievements and in doing so they'll grow and they'll be able to achieve as well because they're working towards the same goal and they'll be able to achieve together and also be able to celebrate together once they have achieved that goal together the Charles A. Darner Centre at the University of Texas at Austin and the Agile Mind on their website, when they were talking about community, it very much echoes back what you just mentioned there. They say a community of learners can be defined as a group of people who share values and beliefs and who mm-hmm. actively engage in learning from one another. Learners from teachers, teachers from learners and learners from learners. So I think that's just a wonderful echo of just what you just mentioned there. So in this case, it's like an interdependency Um, between Mm. learners on learning and everyone sharing responsibility or having a responsibility to contribute whether it's sharing views sharing resources working in groups or or contributing in some way to that learning space it's not just what goes on within the classroom but it's also I think what people take away from that and then bring to the next class so I think it's just it's an ongoing effort and um, it involves like you said sharing resources and other things as well. In your description of what community can look like in these classes and the values and beliefs that they share, it's quite obvious that it has a lot of benefits, but do you want to just unpack some of those benefits for learners and teachers? I'd just like to mention uh, about the effective filter because the effective filter is an invisible psychological filter that can either facilitate or hinder language production in the classroom, especially in a second language we're focusing on here. So obviously when the filter is high, the students are stressed, and they're anxious, they're very self-conscious, and that's obviously not something you want to see in your students as a teacher. They won't be confident and they also, they'll be very reluctant to participate as well. But obviously if that community is fostered within the classroom and you've got that inclusive atmosphere, then the students are more likely to be confident, they're less likely to be stressed, they're going to be more excited. If you start anxious, you're probably going to end up anxious at the end as well. Whereas if you start confident, excited, you're going to come out of that with a really positive outcome. 
So let's move on to talk about how we can create that. How can teachers create and sustain a sense of community in their classes? I would start by saying that creating a sense of community in the classroom starts before the lesson. It's really, really important to collaborate with others. So to make sure you're not in this on your own and that you're sharing your experiences and your work with your colleagues and your peers. Um, and that's really important to just know your part of a, a more collective effort and you're sharing ideas. And I think then once you're in the classroom, it's just setting those expectations with the students and to just make sure that they know that they shouldn't maybe assume about the others, but they should understand that every student is different. Every one of them is different and they're all going to bring something different to the lesson, but they shouldn't assume that they're going to, their classmate is going to say something just because they come from a certain culture or they're going to answer in a certain way. So that's really important to set those expectations. And then of course, the materials, so just making sure they're personalized uh, to the students to just take into account any sensitivities, that there might be any different ways of looking at different concepts, for example, different ways of looking at things that maybe are not the same as in your culture as a teacher. So it's just taking all of those things into account um, in the classroom. What about during the lesson when you, you know, you set expectations, you're revisiting these, you reviewed the materials, um, you've got maybe some cohesion between the values that you're bringing into your classroom with other teachers as well. But what about during lessons? How can you sustain and, and continue to build this sense of community? I think it's really important to, uh, we've talked a lot about students, different cultures, and I'm going to draw on that in a little bit as well. But I'd like to also mention about the different personalities that students have and to just make sure that you give equal opportunities to all students and that might look slightly different for each student because obviously there will be some students who don't wish to participate perhaps as much but just having that having been given that opportunity will add value to the lesson and it will help them to maybe feel confident as well so perhaps next time they'll be able to participate so I think it's really important to give equal opportunities. The point you just raised there about giving learners lots of opportunities and equal opportunities to participate really resonates because you're not only thinking about being fair and treating each students equally and giving them spaces but also I think to add on to this point you can also think about the opportunities you give them in terms of how they choose to interact and how they choose to participate that also brings up notions of um catering to different personalities different preferences mm. but also any additional needs you may have in the classroom yes absolutely i think um it's really important to take these things into account so for example dyslexia is common additional need I think it's it's important to take, take that into account. Don't just call upon the student assuming that they can read or write what you're going to uh, ask them to do. I'm reminded by a situation in, in one of my classes, actually. It was a lesson on directions. A couple of students struggled with giving directions. And myself, I'm not very good with remembering left or right. I have to take a moment to think about that. But there are some students who have an additional need called directional dyslexia and where they'll struggle to really know whether it's sort of left or right and can take a lot longer to remember the directions in their own language but 
again, much more in when they're learning an additional language. So that's going to be quite tricky. A lot of students will often refer to a building or perhaps a landmark when giving directions. And I think that's a really intelligent way of trying to avoid using things like left and right to give directions because they're still giving directions, but they're just able to go around the subject and try and think of creative ways to say the same thing. So I think that can also be something you could facilitate as a teacher to try and find other methods of, of saying the same thing or doing the same thing. So let's move on then, I guess, to close this. What about after the lesson? What, what can teachers do afterwards, perhaps, if things aren't going as well as maybe they'd hoped initially in setting up a community? My first point would be research. So research, why did something go wrong? Why do you think it went wrong? Perhaps, perhaps it didn't actually go wrong. Take a step back, do your research, learn about the different students that you have, especially if you're going to have the same students again in another class. Is your student perhaps from a task-oriented culture or are they from perhaps more relationships-based culture? Are they more focused on indirect or direct communication? individualism versus group identity. So all of these different aspects are really important to take into account. Sarah Lanier in her book, uh, In Foreign to Familiar, A Guide to Understanding Hot and Cold Climate Cultures, just mentions some of the key differences between uh, the the, the sort of colder and then the hotter um, cultures and how they can have a massive effect in the classroom. And they're not often discussed, but obviously again, um, it's really important not to assume to obviously do your research, but but not to assume that a student is going to react um, in a certain way. Talk to other teachers as well, especially teachers who, ha- who have been in the teaching industry for, for perhaps longer than yourself, uh, or even those newer teachers uh, will, will have something fresh to share with you. So just ask don't be afraid to ask questions always ask questions uh, whether you've been teaching for a month or 10 years or even longer than that just keep asking questions and just remember you can always press the reset button in your next class and you can start over if, if something hasn't gone as well as you'd hoped Um, and again as I said before that might just be your perception so just go into your next lesson with an open mind and as a fresh start really so don't don't continue sitting in in your mistake from last time but but move forward and and don't panic because it takes time it takes time to to um to learn about yourself as a teacher to learn about your class and to learn about the different teaching styles, different interaction patterns. And yeah, so get to know yourself as a teacher, as well as the students, and um, just keep learning, keep being open, keep learning from your mistakes and keep asking questions. I love the fact that you mentioned that there's a whole community of teachers out there, whether it's in your school or in your wider community that you can converse with because chances are people have probably experienced something very similar to you and just sharing your experience and talking about what's working and what's not it can be a wonderful way of helping you to refine and make those tweaks needed to continually grow a really positive learning environment with with your learners wherever you may be thank you Helena for sparing your time to talk about community why it's important and sharing your tips on how we can create this in our classroom it's been really interesting talking to you and researching this topic to create this podcast Thank you, Laura, for the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun.
If you have a question or a topic that you'd like to pitch for the podcast, then you can contact us via the website, tesolpop.com. And finally, if you love what we do at Tesolpop, then please subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Write a review on these sites on Facebook and share the content with your teaching community. Music